Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Wednesday nights we just do a little mini teaching and then we get into prayer, praise and worship of our Lord. Tonight we're going to look at Exodus chapter 17, beginning at verse 8, when God brought the children out of Egyptian slavery, his intent was to get them into the promised land called Canaan's land. And during that time, he was going to help train them, teach them, shape them so they could step into their destiny. But let's read this part here. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And when it came to, it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand were heavy. And he took a stone and put it under him. And they, he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until going down to the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So we see here that he's brought them out to train them and teach them certain principles so that they could be successful to step into their, their destiny in Canaan's land. Well, these people along the way believed a lie. They thought that, you know, you brought us out, now we should be experiencing comfort for the rest of our lives. There shouldn't be any problems in our lives. We should just get into the promised land. Everything is going to be okay. And sometimes people feel that way when they enter into the walk of faith. They feel like as though, well, there's not going to be any challenges along the way. It's just a bed of roses. We're just going to enter right on into the fullness of our redemptive rights. And it would be wonderful if that were the truth. But Jesus, our Lord, said, no, you're going to face some tribulation in the world. In the world, you're going to have some trouble that you're going to have to face. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Right? Look at the characters that are involved here. You see Moses. He was involved and he was their appointed leader. The Lord himself appointed him. He had the rod in his hand and that represents what? God's presence, God's power, and authority that God gave him to act in the place that he was in. Then you've got Aaron on one side. You've got her on the other side. Aaron stands for the priesthood. You've got her on the other side. His name means whiteness, and it stands for righteousness or purity. And then, of course, you've got, Mo, you've got Joshua. Then he's the one that goes out to the battlefield in obedience to what he was told or instructed to do. So you've got all this team put together and in place, each one doing their part. And what do we find out? That as long as their hands, Moses' hands are held up in the air, and uplifted hands represents what? Worship of God, dependency on God, honor to God, glorifying God. But the moment his hands began to come down, Amalek began to prevail. But the moment his hands go back up, Joshua begins to prevail. So we, we learn from this, every Joshua needs a Moses. Every Moses needs a Aaron and a Hur. 
And when they all work together as a team, they accomplish great things for God. They raise up victorious when challenged by the enemy in life. Now, we also see them experiencing two, in that same chapter, unique challenges. The first one was with water. We won't even get into that one tonight. But this one here relates to all of us because every single one of us faces challenges in this life that we live in, and we all need to have, have support systems. You can look at it in the natural and the supernatural. The supernatural talking about the authority of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, and then also the obedience to God, if you look at it that way. But also in the natural, you've got a Moses who's got an Aaron and a her supporting him, providing for things in the natural for him, holding up his arms, a support system. And then you've got Joshua basically out there laying down his life for the victory. So we see a team, an all-team effort working together to accomplish God's purposes. We can never lose sight of that. And that's what he was teaching them. We need each other. We need a support group. Every person needs a support group. And we all need to look at each other, for each other, look out for each other, help each other, minister to the needs of each other, and reach out to God, putting him first, putting up those holy hands. Remember, look at Psalm 28 and verse 2. Listen to my prayer for mercy as I cry out to you with, for help as I lift my hands toward your holy sanctuary. What a posture just to lift up holy hands before the sanctuary of God, letting him know I'm looking to you. And then also look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God free from anger and controversy. In the King James, it's without wrath and without doubting. So as we come together tonight, this is what we want to do. We want to lift up holy hands before the throne of God and let him know we recognize that without your intervention, it doesn't matter if you're a Joshua or anybody else. When those hands went down and you weren't depending on God, you weren't looking to God and you didn't put everything, all your faith in trust in God, the enemy's going to win. But when you realize, I need him, his divine intervention, and by faith, I reach out to him, believing that as I worship him, my eyes are on him, this will, down here will take care of itself because he'll intervene on my behalf. In the book of Luke's, Luke's gospel, chapter 18, we see this. Look at verse 1 in particular here. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. Let's read the whole thing. That men ought always to pray and to faint and, and not to faint saying there was a city in a city a judge which feared not God neither regarded man and there was a widow in that city and she came unto him saying avenge me of mine adversary and he would not for a while but afterward he said within himself though I fear not God nor regard man yet because this widow troubles me I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me and the Lord said hear what this unjust judge said and shall not God avenge his own elect which cried day and night unto him Though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Did you hear that last statement? This is talking about a woman who got her need met by going to an unjust judge who had no regard for God, no regard for man, but she just wore him down. This is not talking about us wearing down God. God cannot be worn down. No, he's given this to illustrate something. 
This woman got her need met because she went to an unjust judge and she just wore him out and wore him down by her continual coming to him and all that. And so even though he had no regard for any of that, he still reached out to help her for his own benefit. He wanted to sleep. That's all. But our God is not an unjust God. He is a loving, caring, heavenly father who says, come to me. Bring your request. I'm here to help you. And I will reach out. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open to you. Just come to me. And I will avenge you. I will help you. I will bless you. I'll do what is necessary to bring you over to make you a success in this life. And so that's what God looks for us to do. To recognize that, look, we're no match for our government. We're no match for politicians. We're no match for uh, other nations of the world. We're no match for nuclear bombs, and the list goes on and on. But we know someone who is. Our focus and attention needs to be on him. And we gather together like this to lift up holy hands and let him know it doesn't matter what happens in our society, in this country in which we live. As long as Jesus is Lord over our lives and we declare him Lord over this United States of America, we'll have his divine intervention. And we need to look to him. If he can't do it, then it can't be done. I believe he can do it. Right? Remember what he said? Don't let, don't let the, right, the um, wealthy man boast in his wealth or riches. Let not the intelligent man boast in his wisdom. And let not the strong man boast in his strength. If anyone wants to boast, boast in this. I know the living God. I know the creator of the universe. Amen. Besides, it wouldn't matter if you have $44 billion. You could spend it in one year if you spent $129 million a day. Did you know that? You didn't get that one. <laughs> That's just a little dig because Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion. It would take him one year of spending $129 million a day. Can you? That's a lot of pizza. Wouldn't you say? It's a lot of pie. Amen. No, but God speaks to our heart is this. Get your eyes off of everything else. Get your eyes on him. So let's do this.